Hello, welcome to the Longwell Premier League Preview Show. I'm John Townsend. I'm Declan DeBarb. On the fifth day of Christmas, Matula gave to me five injuries, four cancelled matches, three Kerber matches, two Robo Horror Tackles, and football on Boxing Day. Merry Christmas, everyone who celebrates. Let's start the show. And starting off the show, we want to just quickly touch on the action last weekend in the Premier League. Can't believe it was last weekend. It feels like a month ago. But Spurs drew Liverpool 2-2. And this is a pretty thrilling matchup for neutral. And I can only imagine the stress a Liverpool fan or Spurs fan went through watching this match. As Allison just had four heart attack moments in it, as well as a whole bunch of other storylines. Believe me, we will get to Robbo in a bit. But Allison, I felt like Liverpool defense kind of hung him out to dry a few times. Just get, getting a little Carlax days ago with Son getting in behind, with Kane getting in behind a few few different chances. I think overall Allison had a really good performance, but he was wild in that. He really did show some hesitation at points, and I think that the way that he minds the net and the way that. Klopp system requires him to mind the net is is always on edge and you can't have those moments of hesitation that's that's what leads to those horror moments when you either misplay a ball as we saw a couple of times or you know you miss as we saw in the sun goal and then sun has an empty net you know I I think you're right I think Allison had a good game but he was playing on the edge and that was that was the problem he didn't look fully dialed in and this Liverpool defense is missing a huge component in Virgil van Dijk out with covid Part of this problem is the lack of options in in that Liverpool defense. Even though there is Joe Gomez, who we'll talk, who we'll touch on uh, a little bit later in this show, but it it just didn't look right at the back for for Liverpool in this game, and I don't I don't think that they should have won this one by by any means. Because mm. overall, I'd say, especially to get to have a close game against a Spurs team who hasn't played since December fifth who's been riddled with COVID injuries, as of, to be honest, at this point, every single Premier League team has been riddled with COVID. Inju- uh, COVID. Um, would injuries be the right term for that? I'm thinking. Ill- illness. Illness, yeah. They're out for a health reason. Exactly. So for that match to even be close, I thought was a bit of a poor performance by Liverpool. But you can also make an argument that Spurs should have gone uh, down to 10 men around the 20th minute of the match when Harry Kane just two-footed um, uh, Andy Robertson. His, his cleat collided clearly over the ball, hit him in the shin pads, only got a yellow somehow. Twitter was was ablaze at halftime, wondering how the hell is is he not off on um, off the pitch? But Declan, did you see the did you see the uh, the challenge? And do you think it should have been a red card? If I was the referee, I would have given a red card on the spot. Like maybe he didn't see it, but that's why we have VAR, and he wasn't even asked to go over over to see it. And then, you know, we can talk, we can compare that to the Robertson tackle, which, you know, was a red card. I don't think, I don't think that there's much of a question that the Robertson tackle was a red card, but given the precedent set in that match, the Robertson tackle wasn't a red card because Harry's Kane's tackle was significantly more dangerous. If he connects there, it's not out of the question that he breaks Robbo's ankle. I really think that Kane should have been sent off. It's, it, it's shocking to me. And I think it continues to prove that there is something wrong with the way that VAR is applied in England. And I don't know if it's because of the lower quality of referees, which we've been batting about back and forth on this podcast for a little while, but there's something wrong and it needs to be fixed. It hasn't been right since it was implemented. 
I'm really at a loss for words as to how as to how that one's missed because it was a clear one. And I mean, even from game to game, that same consistency isn't held. And I think that that's all us as fans want. We just want consistency within officiating that, you know, we see something that's called as a foul in one game that sets the precedent. That is, that is it. But it seems like every referee has their own mind and it's difficult to hold consistency in between the same match week. Um, We saw that two weeks ago when there was the most amount of penalties awarded in a match week um, by anyone and all the big squads got one, but then you look at the West Ham Burnley game and what happened to uh, who, who, who did Robbo take out? Uh, Emerson. Emerson. Yeah. What happened to Emerson happened to Craig Dawson in the box and it wasn't even looked at. So it seems like there's this, there isn't this consistency that I think we want because if we could see, you know, this is a foul, but this isn't, that would be okay. But there seems to be no consistency and that's the problem. And, isn't that really what VAR came in to fix to make everything consistent? Because if it's just going to have these same amount of errors, I'd say let's be gone with it because I like, I can't stand it. I, I, I can't stand it since it came in and you know, we're what two, three years down the line and there's still these major underlying issues. It, it boggles the mind how they screwed, how they screwed it up this badly, but uh, two of your points about how the, the refereeing is so inconsistent game to game, it's inconsistent half to half because the Robo Challenge was originally, uh, was originally awarded a yellow card, then they went to VAR. I guarantee you if they went to VAR for the Kane Challenge, he would be off the pitch. Moving on, though, to talk a little bit about Harry Kane, I'm a little terrified at this point. Um, I'm pretty sure I said it on the show about a month ago, but... I find myself at this point in time more of a England national team fan than I am a fan of any particular club in the Premier League. So my eyes have, ever since the Euros 2020-2021 final happened, my eyes have just been towards Qatar, thinking, okay, how do how are England players developing? How, uh, how big of a shot do we have at, at bringing it home, finally, after it's been away for too long? Now... Kane would have been an integral piece of this. He's played like dog shit this season. Seriously poor for his standards, his lofty golden boot standards. Now, I'm a very biased England fan. I completely get that. But for someone who doesn't necessarily support England, may still be a little bit of bias against London sides, but from an international standpoint... Are you seeing the same things I am with Harry Kane? Should I be a little worried about him? It doesn't look like he has that same clinical edge. He did score in this game. Uh, he scored the first goal of the game in the, in, the thir- in the 13th minute, but I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's his confidence. I don't know if it's he didn't get a preseason, so he didn't get to warm up properly and get in, into form, but you'd think that that wouldn't be an issue given how many games he's played at this point, and he has, what, two goals on the season? He's, he has as many goals as Fred does, and he's had 10 times the amount of chances. I I don't know what's going on with him. And, you know, you say from an England point of view, I wouldn't be worried. There's players like Dominic Calvert-Lewin who, you know, have, still with an injury <laughs> who might be back this weekend, I was reading. But, um, you know, I wouldn't worry about that because believe me, squads without strikers have won tournaments before. Look at look look at Italy. <laughs> but from a Harry Kane transfer transfer point of view, how damaging is this to him? How damaging is this to Daniel Levy? Because of 
Kane still wants to leave. How much does he really get on the open market this year? With COVID still being a thing, we're still in a COVID market, keep in mind. Is the Premier League, though? Because Premier League has pretty much ignored COVID. The Premier League isn't, but which Premier League squad is going to buy Harry Kane? I, I still think City. Because think, unless unless they just go screwed, we're going Holland, which is very well, possible for City. Holland's, Holland's release but clause this season is 80 mil. Holland also getting eyes from... Exactly. But with Holland also getting eyes from Barcelona, who are just taking out loans to piling up the debt to buy 60 million for, uh, Ferran Torres for some reason. Who's quality. So Ferran Torres is quality, but He's yeah. quality, but what are you doing, Barcelona? You can't keep the uh, lights on. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> they can't even fill up the stadium yeah. at all. They have, I think, one of the worst attendance figures in, in the La Liga right now based on capacity. Um but so Barca's going to be on and on him. Real Madrid is very much in on Holland. So I think there's a bit more competition there for, for Holland's signature. If they don't get him, I could still see them going the Levy going, here's a hundred million, be happy. But yeah. it's, it's definitely harmed, harmed uh, his transfer value quite significantly. Yeah. I, 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 given the season that he's had, and I think with strikers, especially uh, like, you know, Form is form is temporary, but class is permanent. I think that form matters a hell of a lot more than than anything. You look at how much um, Sebastian Allaire, and I know I keep going back to West Ham examples, but they signed him for forty million, and then they sold him for twenty to Ajax. Yes, he's the leading goal scorer in the Champions League, which is nuts to me. But look at how much that value can drop, and I wouldn't be surprised if the same percentage of value dropped in in Harry Kane from over the summer that he was probably a 150 million pound striker this summer. If someone came in for him and now you'd be happy if you got 80 or a hundred million for him, you know, he's a, he's a class player, but he's approaching the wrong side of the, of the age curve. He had one, he had his worst season in recent memory and it doesn't look like he's getting it done. I'd be, I'd be concerned. The thing you just said about about for, uh, former temporary classes permanent kind of made me think of Saido Berahimo. If you remember him, he was a very promising young striker at West Brom, got a big money move to Stoke, and I don't believe he ever scored again in the Premier League. <laughs> so it's it's one of those things where if you're striker, you get into a slump, it could be a wrap for you. And I'm not going to say it's a wrap for Kane just yet, but. I also question why he's dropping back as far as he is if he doesn't have the pace, doesn't have the acceleration to get back up the pitch, to get back into the box ready for a cross. Because there's a few times in the West Ham match, which we'll move on to in a second, where they would just be putting crosses in into the box wide open because West Ham's <laughs> West Ham's defending there was kind of comical. As well as as well as Spurs, they were both both remarkably bad poor. But it seemed like they were just fe- playing like face-up defense, not trying to intercept any passes, intercept any crosses. But Kane wasn't able to get into the box to get a- to get his foot on on the ball, and they were just being sent back the other way. So, as if Kane could, as we've been saying for two, three, four years now, play as a striker instead of a deep line playmaker. I think that I think he'll score ten times as many goals as he's managed to this season so far. 
But moving on to uh, West Ham, though, and after losing the Spurs, the Hammers are winless in the last four. Declan, have you contacted your therapist yet? No, not yet. You know, I think the problem is injuries. Plain and simple, I think the problem is injuries. I mean, you look up and down the lineup, it was basically a fully rotated squad. And Antonio missed the game because of COVID, though, fingers crossed, he's back for this weekend. Um, if there is a this weekend's game, Vladimir Sufal missed the game because of because of a red card. We saw the 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 full debut of Harrison Ashby, a 17-year-old um, who was shaky but not great. Arthur Masuaku on on the right on the left again, and he looked thoroughly outclassed throughout the entire match. And then and then the basically only consistent is uh, Suchek and Rice in the middle. So I'm not worried. We saw Ben Johnson come back in this game, which which is promising, and hopefully we go back to a back four on the weekend. But, you know, with all of the injuries, January can't come soon enough. At least it happened in December and not February when there's no chance to get replacements. Um, but I think it really shows that this West Ham squad is not deep at all. It's a problem that so many people have been saying um, since since the start of the season. And while it's disappointing that the quadruple isn't on anymore, there's, there's still the chance to do the triple. Mm. Well, speaking about the injury crisis, the strikers decided to get in on the action as Mikel Antonio came down with COVID prior to the match. Who's left to play striker with West Ham? Who's up next? Is it Yamalenko? Is it Jared Bowen, who had a, a, a great goal against Spurs, uh, Spurs last night? Who's going to be the answer up top? I'd imagine it would be it would be Bowen with hopefully uh, Oko Flex. Getting getting some minutes off the bench, the the young striker that they signed from Celtic over the summer. He's I think eighteen, and very young. Look, looking like a good prospect. He has almost as many goals as he does appearances at the U twenty three level. He 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 looks class. I don't know if he's quite ready for for that jump, but I'd imagine it would be Jared Bowen until at least January first, when West Ham have been linked to a couple of players, um, including Canadian men's national team player Jonathan David and if that happens um I uh I don't know what I'll do I don't, I might I might lose I might lose my mind if they sign Jonathan David one of my favorite players in world football at this moment um I'm pretty sure it's by uh, it's Canadian law if you're a West Ham fan and Canadian you have to get that jersey if that happens I think so I think so and West Ham have had only ever had two other Canadians um in the squad in um What's his name? Forrester. I don't know what his first name is. The goalie for a long time. And then Danielle Henry. Sportsnet pundit, right? Yeah, Sportsnet pundit when Sportsnet still did soccer. And uh, Danielle Henry, who was an academy prospect from Vancouver. But I'd imagine the answer is Jared Bowen up top for at least the next few games. Because I don't know who else you throw there. Yarmolenko doesn't have legs. I, I think we've seen that. Jared Bowen provides a lot of the same things that Antonio has. I think they're very similar players. They're both very tenacious players who have come up through the lower leagues. And you can see that in, in, in the way that they play. But uh, Moyes has indicated that he thinks that Antonio will be back for the game this weekend. And uh, fingers crossed he will be. So with Spurs beating West Ham, they now progress to the next round of the Carabao Cup. As they'll be playing Chelsea in the next round with Liverpool playing Arsenal as well. So... All, all the matches went shock, which kind of I was surprised by. I was expecting at least one upset in there. But now let's move on to something we're going to preview. Since going to January, 
I'm actually finding it's going to be a bit difficult for clubs to find moves with all these positive COVID cases happening. I'm fairly certain clubs aren't going to be wanting to sell the, uh, to sell the depth of the squad just in case someone goes out with an injury. They can at least have a reliable player to plug in there. So unless they're coming in for a big fee, I wouldn't expect to see many loan deals or permanents come out of this. But it still doesn't change the fact that I think quite a few players need a move very soon. So I'm just going to be running down this list. And Declan, feel free to jump in anytime. See if you have any thoughts on where the player could go, whether or not you think that the player will be able to go or anything like that. Starting off, Dean Henderson. James Tarkovsky. Love to see him in a West Ham shirt. <laughs> I'm sure you'd love to see anybody over 6'2 in a West Ham shirt right now. This is true, but there have been direct links with uh, James Tarkovsky once again as his contract runs down and Burnley go down. Um, he's a Premier League quality defender. I wouldn't be surprised to see him kicking about in the top division. And, you know, he's already in Clarendon Blue. We might as well switch him into the better Clarendon Blue. Mm. And looking at looking at actually Burnley so far this season, if they do sell Tarkovsky, well, first of all, let's be clear, I'm pretty sure no matter what, he's only going to be a Burnley player for this season. I'm, he's going to be signing a pre-contact agreement within the club and leaving at the end of the season, or they're going to sell him for... Five million? 15. Six million? Ooh, I was, I was going to say like 10 to 15 million. Well, I just think that given how little time is left on his contract, there's very little power that Burnley have in this. And that's that's a huge difference to the 22, 25 million they were rumored to get for him um, last season at the, be- at, at the midway point or at the beginning of last season. Yeah. I just feel like because the market's down, because it's difficult to get players at this time, I wonder if they can squeeze a little bit more. But either way, it's not going to be the overall player value that they're going to be seeing from a Tarkovsky fee. But if they do sell him, could they be kind of admitting defeat and look, we're going to get relegated no matter what. Let's try to get some money where we can. Because on one hand, he is the best player in the defense. But I don't know if the defense is entirely built up on the... On the ability of one player i think it's you can not. kind of mix and match that yeah it's not um and i don't think it's as big of a death blower giving up i think that it's just realizing that you're going to lose someone for free and you know especially in the covid times that is not really an option mm-hmm. now moving on joe gomez anzi maitland niles jesse lingard not going anywhere. You say that really because I I know that on the new manager players want to stay fight fight for the chance. I think it's very unlikely J- Jesse Lingard is play after the season for United. I think that sure, if you want to stay, give it a go. I get it, but with the amount of spots available for players, teams that need players like him, I wouldn't mind seeing him in a Newcastle jersey. Just throwing out there, they need quality. You know, and you already know who they're signing. You already know who they're signing. Coutinho, big boy Coutinho. Yeah. Well, apparently Everton's in on Coutinho as well for that some ungodly reason. Sense. That doesn't make any sense. You just get rid of Damas Rodriguez because you don't like his defensive ability. So you go, oh, you know what? We need Hammer. Well, excuse me. We need Coutinho. Hammer's 2.0. We need to bring him in. 
Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. But Jesse Lingard has come out and said that he doesn't, he wants to stay. He wants to fight for his place under Ragnick. You know, all power to him. I'm just tired of, this is obviously West Ham centric, but I'm, I'm tired of him being like, I'm going to go, I'm going to show my ambition. I'm going to fight somewhere else. Because I think that Jesse Lingard would be, would thrive in a, in a team that is like mid half, mid, mid table, upper mid table or lower mid table where the team can be assembled a little bit around him. We saw that at West Ham. I don't think it was any coincidence. I think that him and Zaha are very similar in that way that I think that if Zaha moved to a city or if Zaha moved to a Chelsea, he'd kind of get lost in, in all of it. But at a team like Crystal Palace, he, he is by far their best player and really benefits from that. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with you with uh, Lingard. But moving on to another guy who could be like that, Deli Ali. It, it blows my mind he's 25. Uh, you know, I think someone should take a punt on him, especially given that there's talk of letting him go for completely nothing. His wages will be high, but um, whose wages aren't high in the Premier League? I, was, I heard about this. I was watching a football daily thing, which kind of got this uh, idea from to do a players really needing a move in January. But I had a really good suggestion for where Deli Ali could go. What about a end of the season loan to Southampton with an option to buy if they stay in the Prem? Because Jesse Lingard thrived on a Mauricio Pochettino's press, high-pressing style, where he was into, he was integral cog playing a second-striker role, transitioning the ball from midfield to attack. It feels like they need that badly at Southampton. And although you can make the case that Southampton could be going down this season, I think adding a player of Deleuze's quality or potential quality, if he harnesses even 15% of what he used to be, that could keep you in the Premier League. I think you're right about that. Um, I think Southampton would be a natural home for for Deleuze. Um, you know, he's young. He's worth. I think he's worth the shot at at, at the age he is, all the Premier League clubs are not poor by any by any standards. Um, and if it's a loan, you see how much how much of his wage that Spurs would be able would be willing to uh, to stomach. I don't think it's a bad idea at all. Actually, I think that that's a really good idea and something mm. that Southampton desperately need. What Lingard would need to do though is understand that he's at that point of his career where he needs to prove to the big dogs that he can still play at that level and. Quite frankly, over the past four years, since the last Euros in 2016, he hasn't shown that quality at all. So I think he would really need to move to that mid-level, maybe even lower mid-level, but about mid-level, as you were saying, with a uh, Lingard-type squad to show that quality once again. Mm -hmm. But moving on to Anthony Martial. Another player who needs a move. Would would look great in Claret and Blue. You're just looking at this list as a as a West Ham shopping list. I am. I am. Um, but but, I, Marshall, but I, I do think that he needs a move. And there is clearly quality in Anthony Martial. I think that, you know, we've seen it in bits and flashes at United, but it, it, it has gone on for, for too long. And once again, another player who I think would just absolutely do the bits at a mid-table club who would have a very successful time of the ball being developed around him and built to him. 
Um, and you know, West Ham need a striker. So I think it makes sense. Well, honestly, I don't even view Martial as a striker necessarily. He can play it, but I, I really like him off the wing. Because kind of linking up, or even as a two uh, two man striking unit. Um, but oh, him and Antonio, oh, ton Ooh. of pace there. <laughs> also, how many injuries with those two back up? Oh, all of the injuries. <laughs> um, sp- spraying the wrist, high fiving. Um, but with Martial, I I honestly wouldn't even look at a Premier League club for him necessarily because I think he can go abroad. I mean, if Barcelona want to take a, another loan, I, I wouldn't mind him in that in that system, linking with like uh, linking with the pie. The only good player on that team. <laughs> hey, what about bringing Louis Van Gaal, reuniting the old uh, old school United boys? <laughs> um, but yeah, with with Martial, I still think he has a ton of talent. It just hasn't worked out. I remember, I remember saying during the preview, we should have sold him because if we sold him last summer, we probably could have got upwards of forty million for him. So, I, I I think Martial's time to leave is now. And from all reports, he's wanting to move out, whether it's on loan or as a permanent. And then final play on the list: Pierre Emerick Aubameyang. I don't I don't even know where he goes. Maybe a move back to Germany. Um, maybe a move to Turkey. I think I think he's at that point in his career where is Mesut Ozil still in Turkey? Yes. At Istanbul, Bishak Shahir. Oh, I, I hope I hope he goes to uh, Istanbul. That would it, be awesome. I think I think that's a move that just makes sense. I, I I don't think he has the quality to play in the Premier League anymore. And a move to maybe a a less good league. And no disrespect to no disrespect to the Turkish league, but a move to the Turkish league would uh, would do him best. Or MLS. Or if, they sum, if they can somehow get get him off those wages. Hey, Fissa. <laughs> well, what about him linking up in Miami? He seems like a Miami type of type him, player. Him and Gonzalo Higuain. Oh. Though though Miami does have a transfer ban in place because even though they were one of the worst squads in the MLS, they had too many designated player spots. Which which just makes all the sense in the world. It does. Miami being a shit show never change. Now let's go. Let's go into halftime as Declan's going to be hosting phone book this week to see how much he can embarrass me on my own show. I'm your own show. It's our show. I, it, was, it, was, it was it was Wrong our show, communism. but you know what I meant. So for those of you that don't know what phone book is, we've played it a number of times. I have a list of four players who have played with one specific player. John will have to guess who that player is that links all four players together. He can have one hint throughout the process. John, are you ready to play? Yes, I am. So mystery player number one has played with Hatem Benarfa, Josip Simunic, David Luiz, and Papis Cisse. Repeat. One more time. That's Hatem Benarfa, Josip Simonic, David Luiz, and Papi Cisse. Well, my mind first goes to I have no idea who Simonic is, so I'm a little worried with that one. But but Benarfa, Cisse both play at Newcastle United. Um, 
as well as Elisa Ben Arthur played in France uh, for PSG, who is on the bench as the best bench warmer spot you can possibly imagine. Getting paid a ton of money to, to literally just sit on the bench on the best team in France. Um, but he also played. Where, where was that in France? Ren, I believe. I want to say Ren. Um, David Luiz, PSG, Arsenal, Chelsea. He's Brazilian. And don't think there's any other Brazilians on the list. Oh, this is tough. This is tough. This is tough, but I also don't know if I want to use my my clue this early. Well, that's up to you. Not talking to me much. You're just hanging me up to dry. I'm just letting you go, bud. I'm just letting you go. I feel when I'm doing this, I'm, uh, you know... Giving you a little bit more help, but whatever. Why am I just throwing a complete blank here? Do you want your hint? I can give you your hint. I'll I'll take a hint, yeah. This player, after his illustrious soccer career, transitioned into a rap career where he is a semi-successful rapper. Define semi-successful. In that I know he does rap as well as play soccer, and people who don't watch soccer also oh, know. Oh, is it? Rap. Is this gonna be like Ronaldinho? No, it's not Ronaldinho. I'll give oh, you that. that. I better say that wasn't my. <laughs> I'll give you that. That it wasn't Ronaldinho. Oh God! I honestly don't know how much this one helps. I'm going to have to push you for an answer. I don't know if I got an answer. (laughs) This is going to be a complete shot in the dark. I'm pretty certain it's not going to be wrong. Or it's going to be wrong. But I'm pretty sure I can place him with three of the players. Demba Bar. Oh, my God. You got it. What a guess. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Go through the link. Someone here. That's a 40-yard pelter right there. So he played with that. Hatem Ben Arfa at Newcastle. He played with David Luiz at Chelsea, Papi Cisse at Senegal and Chelsea, and Josip Simonich at Hoffenheim. Hoffenheim, I would not never have gone that in a million years. Josip Simonich, who's famous for doing a fascist salute after a 2013 uh, Croatia national team game in which he never played for Croatia again before becoming a youth coach. (laughs) Those poor kids. (laughs) <laughs> but I'm so happy. I just thought, okay, Pavi Cisse, Ben Arthur, who was around that new guy's squad at the time? I had Demba Bar. I yeah. also played with Chelsea. Yes, maybe. Yeah, that's who it was. That's a good guess. That's a good guess. Yes. So you go into this one with no hint, but I will say that that was the most difficult one, and you've come out victorious. The next player has played with Rafael Leao, Xavi, Wesley Schneider, and Edison Cavani. Once again, that's Raphael Leao, Xavi, Wesley Schneider, and Edison Cavani. Okay. I'm going to write that down. Okay. I'll, I'll read it out for you one more time. Raphael Leao, Xavi, Wesley Schneider, and Edison Cavani. Who was the third player? Wesley Schneider. Actually, one of my favorite players of all time. Thank <laughs> you. 
Okay, this is difficult. Um, my mind's just coming and drawing a blank right now, thinking of clubs Leal's played for. Um, but he's Portuguese player. No other Portugal players in in this squad. I wonder if that's a that's a habit for you. If you try to hide the nationalities and don't try to link national teams, um, I guess the only time will tell with that. Xavi obviously played with Barcelona as well as in in uh, Saudi of Qatar. Qatar. Playing Qatar, yeah. Um, Wesley Snyder played Galatasaray, Inter Milan. Um, I want to say Real Madrid. Maybe. Um, Edison, Edison Cavani, PSG, um, Man United, uh, Napoli? Maybe no. no, 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 no. I'm thinking of Higuain. Uh, I'm having difficulty drawing links between them. Rafael Leia actually played in played for Lille, I believe. He did. This is correct. Edison Cavani also did play for Napoli between 2011 and 2013. I feel I should be allowed. I should be able to just not obviously abuse it. Go, okay, did he play for AC Milan? Milan, Like, not name off like that. But if it's, did he play for this team? Oh, yeah. Yep, he did. Okay. But um, I'm going to have to push you for an answer, John. Already. Already pushing. Already. You're you're a very pushy individual. Oh, I'm going to be kicking myself. You really are. This one I thought was the easiest one. I, I, I can't see any links. How, am I missing something? Just to know, am I, is, is, Leal a, is Leal somehow a link to all of these guys that no. I'm just not seeing? Okay. No, he's not. That I have no idea what the what the link is because it has to be a, a Barca player, you would imagine, who went. Oh, I think, I think you just got it. I think it just clicked. Maybe no, no, no. Who is it? Who are you thinking? Samuel Eto. Is that your guess? I don't think I don't really want it to be, but if you push if you pushing me, I'm gonna go Eto. But I also kind of want to think about it. Okay. So keep thinking about it. All right. So, lots of players played because I'm thinking Eto because he played with uh, definitely played with uh, Schneider at Inter and Javi at Barca. Yeah, yeah. But where would he re- played with Cavani and Liao? I also don't. I don't think he'd pick Eto. I, I just something. I don't know. Yeah, Samuel Eto'o. I'm sorry, John. It was Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Oh, Zlatan! He plays... He plays... So close, though. So close. He plays with Liao at AC Milan. That's that's That was why Liao was the most important player. He currently plays with him. He's from a different generation from these guys. That's good. That, Javier that, Barca, Schneider at Real Madrid and Edison Cavani at PSG. That's a good one. I like, I like that one. The last player has played with Robert Lewandowski, Jans Huntelaar, Mark Van Brommel, and Zinedine Zidane. 
Once again, that's Lewandowski, Huntelar, Van Brommel, and Zizou. I do like how we talked about making a more Premier League centric and you haven't listed a single English player in any of these. Nope. <laughs> so, Lewandowski played some team, some team Poland, but I, I do not think the link is going to be in Poland. Uh, but he is Polish. Never know. Played with Bayern Munich, Dortmund, Huntelaar, played Ajax, uh, Real Madrid, uh, Schalke, um, another team in there maybe. Van Brommel, um, played in Bundesliga. I can never remember the, the clubs Brommel played for. It's a bit of a drawn up blank for him. And Zidane, Zizou, played uh, Real Madrid. And Juventus. <sighs> so maybe the link is Real Madrid because Huntelaar. Did Van Bonnell play for Dortmund? I don't believe he did. You don't believe? Okay. I guess for some reason, imagine Van Bommel in a Dortmund jersey for some reason. I don't know. No, no Real Madrid. No, hmm? no Dortmund. Also no Real Madrid, but no Dortmund. Wow. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't even think I asked about Real Madrid, but sure, thanks. <laughs> Let me know what you're thinking. Where, what's, 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 giving you, what's giving you issues? I mean, everything. Mostly, mostly because Van Bommel is like a black hole for me in terms of clubs. And then again... Maybe there could be a um, a Dutch connection. So maybe the players Dutch who would have played in the theory with Real Madrid. Oh, is it Iron Robin? It is Iron Robin. Yes, my favorite player of all time. Oh. I'm, I honestly, I did not expect me to get anything out of that one. I was, I'm happy with myself. Two for three on the day. So he obviously played with Robert Lewandowski at Bayern Munich, played with Zizou at Real Madrid, Jans Huntelaar at, uh, at the Dutch national team, and Mark Van Brommel at PSV. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. I was saying uh, in the second one, I wonder if you don't put any international links, but the last one kind of held on an international link. Mm-hmm. So coming out of halftime, I'm going to switch things up a little bit and do sort of stoppage time type segments where me and Declan are going to be running through every single one of the games that could be played this weekend because we don't really know whether or not um, the Premier League is going to actually cancel the games, even though as of recording, we also figured out that Everton has nine first team players out and the Premier League has rejected their proposal to to postpone the match even though there's also going to be matches played on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday of next week, player welfare, just nobody cares about it at at the Premier League, apparently. Um, So we're going to be running through each of the matches, going back and forth, giving quick thoughts on the matchups, who's going to win. And starting off with Declan, West Ham versus Southampton. Would be nice to see Mikel Antonio back. Um, If not, I think that Southampton pose a risk, but we've talked about a lot of their failings so far this season and 
you know, I think that this one should be, should be one where West Ham get over the hump on this one. Uh, Southampton are a squad that just doesn't look put together. And hopefully David Moyes has, has been able to marshal the remnants of his squad that have been so badly battered to, to beat the squad. Tottenham, Crystal Palace. I think this one could be an even matchup. Originally, I was going to say Crystal Palace winning. But given the result yesterday against Liverpool, I just think this Conte Spurs side has somehow, through the, the hell of COVID they've had to endure this, this past month, have actually come together as a bit of a unit. And uh, although they had quite a few horrendous chances given up against West Ham, they still just found a way to win. They found a way to get a result. I think that's kind of what the Spurs unit is going to be for the rest of the year. They just, it may not be the most appealing football to watch. Uh, being a fan of Spurs, as a neutral, it's kind of fun because it's it's a shit show that's on fire. It's, a, it's, it's interesting. You can't really turn your head away from the disaster that you're watching. But they just find a way to get results. I'm back in Spurs to at least get a draw in this match, if not win it outright against a Palace team that has started to come undone this past month or so. Um, now, moving on, Arsenal versus Norwich. Must win for Arsenal. Must win for Arsenal. Um, you know, they climbed into the top four at the end of the last match week. If you're serious about being up there, you don't even you don't even blink at Norwich, uh, a game that they need to come back from. We saw how important the last game these two teams played together was in the course of Arsenal season and really, really got them going. Um, so I'm back in Arsenal all the way and uh, it should be it should be an easy one for the Gunners. Manchester City versus Leicester City. Again, it's kind of similar to what I would have said a few weeks ago when, when Leicester City was beating Newcastle 4-0. Uh, City was just scraping results, 1-0 against Wolves, uh, a 10-man Wolves as well. But oh, how things change in a matter of a few weeks when Man City buzzsaw leads United death 7-0 and Man City looked like Man City of old at this point. So I'm going to back the citizens to uh, win this match fairly comfortably because this this lesser squad as well yesterday they I think they should have won their match against Liverpool they also had Liverpool come back from 3-1 to beat and uh, that Liverpool's side their, their starting lineup was 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 Minmino on the left there for uh, Firmino down the middle and then something on the right. I have no, it was just some youngster they had on the right. It was the most kind of disrespectful squad they could have assembled just to give game time. And they, they lost against that. They ended up coming back and beating them, knocking them out of the, uh, the Carabao Cup. So this one's going to be pretty handedly city. I'd, I'd imagine Everton versus Burnley. A bottom of the table scrap Everton. Um, hopefully they do have DCL back. Um, I think that this is one of the most crucial games of the season for Everton, especially at this point. Um, they're currently sitting down near the bottom end of the table in 14th right now, and a little bit of a gap between them and Burnley. And Burnley haven't won a game in their last five. They've only won one game on the entire season. This is a game they can't afford to drop points in. Um, Everton, if they're serious about pushing up, 
uh, up the table and reviving themselves they need to get something from this game. It should be easy for them, given the state that Burnley are in right now, but without a striker, I worry for them. So if Dominic Covert-Lewin is back, uh, I'm backing Everton all the way. If not, uh, I'm predicting a draw because scoring has been the issue for Everton this season. Aston Villa and Chelsea, John. This is another close one. There's a ton of close games on Boxing Day. If these matches go ahead, I, I can't see many of them that are just going to be completely one-sided. But this one could be, in a way. Because a couple weeks ago, we were wondering about Chelsea. Uh, is is the Thomas, Thomas Tuchel collapse the, uh, every couple of years or so at a club? He, his club all of a sudden just collapses out of nowhere. Could it be happening at Chelsea? And they've kind of responded to that decently well. They played a heavily rotated squad against uh, Brentford yesterday in the Kebab Cup and beat them. The, the match was close on paper, but never really close when you were watching it. You kind of always felt that Chelsea would just keep on breaking through, keep on working, keep on working. And then they ended up get, uh, getting, getting the win in the end. They got an own goal and a penalty, but... Both goals came at the 80th minute. They were just, it was relentless that game. And that was with a heavily rotated Chelsea squad with Kepa and Nat as well. So playing the first team again, there's a well-vested first team with even the, the backups looking solid now. I I could see Chelsea winning this one against Aston Villa. Um, however, no disrespect to Villa because the work CVG has done with them so far, he's turned them back into that mid-table danger zone where you're not looking forward to going to to Villa Park anymore. It's it's a tough place to play. Brighton at Brentford. The XG Kings, um, two teams that are deadlocked in the table right now. And I think that this is about the time we need to start looking at the table. But two teams headed in the opposite direction. Brentford have been pretty steady. They've picked up two wins and two draws in their last five. And Brighton are without a win in their last five. It's something that they need to rectify. They haven't actually won since, oh, it's a mighty scroll. They haven't won since they beat Leicester in September. They haven't won since September. September 19th is the last time that this Brighton team has won a game. In that stretch, they've drawn a lot of games, drawn a lot of games to teams that they shouldn't have. Um, and this and this Brentford team is a, is a big test. It's one that they need to win if they want to continue to push up the table. There is about there's two points between them in 13th and Leicester City in ninth, but it's uh, it's a mighty drop if they continue to lose here. Um, the XG Kings need to need to figure it out and they need to get back to winning ways. And the last game to round us off, John Newcastle at Manchester United. Remember what I said about this? Every, every match is going to be even, everyone's going to be close, it's not going to be in a bloodbath. This is the bloodbath. But moving in away from away from the Holy Spirit, it's going to be on Monday now. So thank Christ for that because this one is going to be a bloodbath because United are playing the the the, the Guggenfest well right now under Ragnick. Newcastle have been struggling at the back all season, especially now under on Eddie Howe, even though I think me and you both agree Eddie Howe is a good manager. He, the system, instead of just the before where the attack plan was kick, kick it up to Alan St. Maxman, pray to God he does something, that's it. That's the plan. Whereas now they actually have an attacking philosophy. 
it's I don't think it's going to work against United. I I, I back United to to win this one pretty handily, like three three one three nil, convincing. Um, and that's going to be doing it for the show. Um, Declan, why don't you let the audience know where to find you and all the uh, all the writing you're doing? You can find me on Twitter at debarb fourteen. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at John Tenzin ninety nine. If you have any ideas for games or topics you want to hear us talk about on the show, uh, feel free to send them to either us on Twitter or email us at site at gmail.com. That's going to do it for the show. Keep your eye on the Mastermind podcast feed for the review show after this weekend's games. Make sure you go to themastermindsite.com to cast you up for the top 100 footballers of 2021. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star rating. It really helps grow the show. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.